Hi, I'm Zane Lamprey. In today's show, I sit down with UFC Hall of Famer Tito Ortiz a week before his big fight with Alberto Rodriguez, a fight that Tito won in the first round. Tito talks about his multiple surgeries, an early drug addiction, and the men who made him who he is today. He really opens up, and you get some great insight into this complicated man. If you want to skip ahead to that interview, it is at the 10-minute mark. In the studio wraps, I'm joined by my wife here in the house, and of course, Steve McKenna, live from Philly. Adventure. We make innovative apparel. Our jackets all convert into travel pillows. Our backpacks have coolers in them. Visit adventure.com and get 10% off with coupon code PODCAST10. Adventure, where the first E is a three because we plant three trees with every product sold. That's ADV3NTURE.com. Travel, explore, live. Adventure.com. Hi, welcome to the Zane Lamprey Show. This is the first episode of a, of a new podcast uh, called the Zane Lamprey Show. Podcast? No, not Did new, Steve. Nude? It's like, hey, clothing. Let's tell Steve it's nude. It's clothing optional. No, because the thing is, I'm sitting here. I have him on, on Skype. Exactly. I can see him. You can't see him, and I don't need exactly. to see that stuff. All right, what is this podcast yeah. about? This is about uh, introducing you to guests, not you two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that I feel have something to offer, many of them celebrities. Some just have amazing stories. Like today, we have Tito Ortiz who I wish so bad that Steve was here so Tito could beat the crap out of him. <laughs> like, we could I be like, Tito. just one punch, Steve. Just not, one not, punch. Yeah, not Tito Vodka, Tito Ortiz. So oh. he's got a big UFC fight coming up on December 7th from Payne Arena at the U.S.-Mexico border. I know, I know. Uh, wow. In McAllen, Texas. He also has a movie with Bruce Willis that premieres on December 6th. <gasps> Bruce Willis. That's why oh the podcast goodness. is starting today, I know. He's happening. He's happening right now. Yeah, this is like, this is, his, this is his week. This is his week. Nice. So the interview, it's, it's, it's amazing. He talks about um, his heroin-addicted parents uh, joining a gang. What was it called, Mel, when you were in a gang? You got jumped in, jumped out? Yeah, jumped in, jumped out, man. Uh, and then getting a- addicted to drugs himself, um, having kids with Jenna Jameson, and he really opens up about why he is who he is and like the point in the, the, the point in his life that he's at. And it's, I, I, I thought like it was... He was wow. very honest. He intense. was incredibly open, one of the most open people... And then we'll talk about this in a second, but he showed up here in a, a black suit. He pulled up in a, in a you know, black SUV. Public- like he had a driver. Had a driver. Okay. The, the publicist gets out. He gets out. He's got a, a nice suit on. Um, publicist is male or female? Male. Classy dude. Male. I, I'm picturing your situation. Oh, okay. Got it. So he comes in. I think he's wearing a white shirt, black mm-hmm. suit, uh, black pants, and a black MAGA hat. Okay. For a Mexican-American. That just seems interesting to me. Oh. But we talked about it. Anyway. Representing. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, and then we have, um, next week, we have the Kings of Pain, Adam and Rob, who intentionally get the most painful stings and bites on the planet. That is for their History Channel show, which is these is guys. all I've like seen bites. Those guys are crazy. They're, they're amazing. They're amazing. But like, you, could you just be like, can I just hit you? No, it wasn't. Oh. No, it's not really built like that. Because if I was here, I'd be like, can I just slap you with a wooden spoon? You could have bit them. Oh, you could have been there. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and then uh, we also have we have a lot of guests, amazing guests coming up. Uh, one guy, Leland Zeitz, was a butler at the Playboy Mansion in the '80s, and he talks freely about everything. I mean, it's everything. Fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I mean, like the drugs, 
the celebrities that were there, what Hef was really like. It was like, and w- the things that he did. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was, that was probably one of the most interview, interesting interviews that, that we've had. How, how is he allowed to talk about that stuff? I mean, is he like giving away people's secrets? I mean, like, I, you have to imagine though, it's, I mean, it's, that's like 30 years care. ago. So I don't think it ma- matters yeah. as much, you know? Uh, uh, the yeah. statute of uh, limitations Steve. is well, run Hef out. Well, gone. Hef's so. gone, bro. The Playboy Mansion, that does, it's, not, it's not a thing anymore. It's, the thing's oh, done. Oh, it's a thing. It'll <laughs> always be there. It'll always be there. It will not always be there. So here are um, who you can hear right now on the show. We have Mel, my wife. Um, who's produced many of my TV shows. She fosters cats and kittens in the fostering community. She's known for taking hard luck cases, which is why, which brings us to Steve. She's um, married to you. She's married to me. Um, <laughs> she keeps me grounded. She inspires me. She's a voracious reader. She's introduced me to national parks. And then we have live from Skype in Philadelphia, we have Steve McKenna, uh, hey. who's been my best friend since college, coming up on 30 years. Um, so he, uh, all these nice things to say about Mel and I'm just kind of, I'm going to stop trying out. Oh, about Steve? Uh, yeah. He's been in a lot of my TV shows. Uh, he doesn't read much. So much fun. I know that he is working on a book. Steve, that book that you were reading in Vegas, did you finish it? Uh, no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Are you talking about like which book? Uh, no. Like Steve, how long ago were you in Vegas? Uh, I don't know. Oh yeah, you do know about, about about sixty five days probably. Yeah, about sixty five days. And so, uh, so anyway, he's he he's tr- he tried to produce some shows. Um, he that didn't go very well. He's just a starter. He's a real good starter. Steve is really good at starting stuff. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm. Uh, I'm I jump in with both feet and then kind of just fall through the bottom. <laughs> it just fizzles out a few la- a few hours later. <laughs> He, he jumps in with both feet and he just slowly swims away. Oh my god! I love it. Yeah. All right. So at the top of each episode, I want people to know what they're going to expect. So you, you now you know the players. You, myself, Mel, and Steve, uh, the Play guests. Us. Yeah, the guests who uh, every week we bring some really interesting people with amazing stories. And the whole point of this podcast is for you to learn something. It's going to get deep in a second to learn something about these, these, these people that we're bringing in these guests and inside of that, to learn a little something about yourself, huh. like maybe to get Very inspired, introspective, like. well, maybe to get ins- inspired. I mean, I, I, I want there to be, I almost call this podcast takeaway because I wanted there to be takeaway for people to like, is that, is, can you want to tell people the face you're making? <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like Chinese. It does sound like Chinese. That's why I didn't do it. But I'm saying, I just, I wanted people to know that there's, there's substance to take away from this. So. Beginning of the show, we talk about, we just catch up quick. And then I have some news items. Mm-hmm. And then we bring in the guests. Okay. You guys aren't here for the guests. Those are recorded separately. And then at the end, it's a little bit of catch up, some personal stuff. We got to get catch like up, catch up with the mustard. Catch up, catch pickles. Up. Catch up with the mustard. We got it all. Exactly. So, I mean, I think I can sum it up. I mean, you and I, yes, we've mm-hmm. been best friends for like 30 years. It's yeah. amazing. I can't believe you even still talk to me after wow. half the stuff we've you know, been through. But by the way, but, is I don't know if you really feel like that because I often feel the same about you. I don't oh, know why you gosh, put up with some of the shit up. Oh, you, you know, guys are You know what? Nervous. We're trying to have a moment Sorry. here. Sorry. It's kind of amazing. Like I really can't believe it. I mean, from when we first met to where we're at now, I mean, it's and and truly like you are my best friend. Like if I have a big life decision or whatever, you know, I don't call my dad. I don't talk to my wife. I call Zane. Unless, and maybe that's and, right. Maybe unless that's you want the truth and then you don't call me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I've yeah, learned yeah, that yeah. as well. Um, but, uh, hey, you know, we have um, we just made these 
Riley, who's one of our, our artists who's sitting outside, he um, did an incredible Steve McKenna t-shirt. So we've had yeah, a lot of Steve McKenna. Nice we, had, we had a lot of Steve McKenna t-shirts over the year. The new one is amazing. It's very pretty. Um, you can get it at adventure.com. You probably already know that URL. But you, Adventure, if you don't know, is my apparel company. Uh, ADV3NTURE. The first E is a three because we plant three trees with every purchase. Um, and we make innovative apparel and we have an amazing team and, you know, go. Oh, and by the way, the T's are all manufactured, sourced manufactured. That means the fabric, the printing, the, the, the construction of the t-shirt all in the USA. Go America. Everything. The people, the places, the, shipping, the things, all of it. Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. From like, from like the raw materials to the end. So like, it's, you know, what's interesting about that. It's, it's to keep, uh, a smaller like carbon footprint environmental footprint yeah Yeah, so that so the t-shirts aren't coming from overseas and whatever so the t-shirts are one of the things that the u.s does really well and so that's where we get them all right so listen ford is turning mcdonald's coffee into headlights wait what so there's like the it's called chaff and it's basically like you know when you make coffee it's the stuff left over but because mcdonald's produces so much chaff they're they're able to turn it into plastic the plastic housing of uh, for for Ford cars, so that'll be made with with coffee. Weird. That that sounds pretty green. But right now they still use like other sources to make it, like soy, you know, to make plastic. And so mm-hmm. now they're just using right, more plastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Use exactly. Coffee grinds for like gardening, you know, to to plant things yeah. or for mulch or yeah. for it's for gardening uh, or composting. for or for coffee. All right, let's get to our guest. Uh, so this is our sit down with with Tito Ortiz again. He's got this big fight coming up and a movie. Make sure you watch both. This is our interview with Tito Ortiz. You're the guest with the best on the Zane Lampert Show. All right, so we, we have Tito Ortiz uh, here, and you mentioned that you wanted to fight my dog, which it's like, it's tough. Are you do, or do you not want to? I don't want to fight your dog. <laughs> that dog is badass, man. It's, he's too cute. It reminds me from, uh, was it uh, Neverland, the Endless Story? And Neverending Story, Never Fal- Story. Falcor. Yeah. Falcor. Yeah. I was like, we come rolling up in the car, and I was like, look at that dog. He's like <laughs> yeah. a wolf. And he, like, and, he, and he prances around. Prances around. Dude, it's it's, it's a badass so dog, dude. Every person that I, that has come in here, like, meets the dog, and everyone is, everybody is like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. And I'll walk around, and, like, one time when we didn't have all this, these, this hedges and this, this fence in front of the, the yard, he'd run back and forth, and he just kind of, like, trotted. And uh, we had um, three cars pulled up to stop to watch, and they got out. And one was Oscar Nunez from The Office, remember? Well, yeah. And Nicole Richie and her, her yep. boyfriend, Madden, the singer, whatever. Yep. And then another person. It's just, like, random and I'll, and I'll walk him around, whatever. And so every single person like that I walk by is like, has to see, say hi to the dog, whatever is interested, except for, and the weirdest thing to me, and I have never mentioned this to anybody, what is uh Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh-huh. So he's like a neighbor. He lives like down the street uh-huh. and I've walked by him like twice wow. and he walks by and I'm like, hi, he goes, Hey, I'm like, really? You're a science guy. You're not interested in my giant dog. I mean, that's fine. That's but a, that's a big wolf. <laughs> is he? Yeah, no, exactly. I from afar and I was like, wow, that thing's like a big giant wolf. Yeah. He's amazing. So cool. uh, hundred and about 180 pounds. Wow. So and he's, he's skinny too. He, he, looks he skinny. is. He's really fast, but, but for about 15 seconds. Where, and where, then he's, where, he's where are they awesome. from? What's the, the so, 
so it's the Irish wolfhound. They're from Ireland. They um, they were bred to to hunt wolves, and they did a great job in that they eradicated the population of wolves and bears and deer and elk from Ireland. So now they don't have those things, which is not really good, you know, forethought. Right. So the breed kind of started to go away, but then the the nobility of Europe really wanted these dogs for the reasons that I said. Like right. just, it's impressive to walk around with them, and so they they brought the breed back. So the breed's been back for a few hundred years, but it was maybe extinct or almost extinct for like a period of time. I've never but even seen that dog before. That it's not really an cool. appropriate dog to have in California no. because they want, they want the cold weather. So in, on a hot day, he just stays inside. But today it's, it's raining outside, which is rare for us. It. You know, he was just like, he's in his element. He wants to just yeah. get wet and run That's around. Cool. So, Very cool. so you, you have, um, you, Let's. There, there's a. There's a few things we need to talk about. Yeah. Uh, you have a, a movie coming out with Bruce Willis called Trauma Center. That's on December sixth. Yes. Uh, with uh, it's called Trauma Center with uh, Bruce Willis and Nikki Whalen. And uh, Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. And you. Uh, so before I move on to the next question, the premiere is the the premiere. I guess is not on December sixth. No. The, okay. The premiere, I believe, will be on the week prior. Okay. Like the Monday. I'm not even hundred percent sure. And and are you? Is. And you're going to the premiere. I think so. If it's uh, here in LA, and I'm in here in LA, okay, I will. Um, I'm supposed to be in Texas uh, in Hidalgo, um, actually McAllen, um, on the third, which is a Tuesday, because I kind of want to get acclimated to the weather, right? Right. So, th- so this so this is for the fight you have on the seventh. Correct. Got it. So if it's if it's during that time, I will be in Texas. I will not be at the premiere. I think it's great for marketing, as yes. far as both marketing both things. Yes. But how do, how do you like? How this is one of my questions for later on, but I'll ask it now. Like, how do you approach the fight differently now than you did 20 years ago? And and how are you sort of do you have to compartmentalize this? I, I couldn't like I couldn't think about both of those things at once. I, I don't. I really treat every single fight exactly the same. Same as you did 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Exactly the same. There's just a little switch I click on. It's like my mind goes, OK, it's fight time. And this actually happened um, this last weekend. Uh-huh. I was uh, sitting at dinner and with my kids and my girlfriend, and I was sitting there, and I just all of a sudden I felt the rush yeah. through my body, uh-huh. and the emotion hit me, and I was like, I got a little teary eyed, yeah, because you know, I'm an emotional guy, and I was like, the fight's here. I'm two weeks away. I'm like, okay, now that's when I know I'm ready. Yeah, because my body reacts like that way. My mind is. Uh, already made it a normalcy to react that right. way and have that thought and have that feeling, have that um, motivation. Cause I mean, I've been going, like I say, for 17 weeks. This is the longest camp I've had in my career. My last fight was my longest camp of my career of 18 weeks. Got this it. one will be 20 weeks. And camp is here in LA. Yeah. It's actually in Orange County. Okay. In, uh, Huntington beach and uh, Costa Mesa. And how many days are you on and I'm off? I'm doing uh, six days a week. I'll take one day off. Is this a, is this an off day? Uh, no, today is off day because of PR. Got it. Okay. But it's, but it's a half day. I mean, tonight, um, I'll do, uh, boxing and, uh, weights. Okay. And I just do, um, high reps, 20 reps, uh, three sets, four different workouts, uh, for, for one. For how long? Uh, it's about an hour workout. Is it, hour. is it, is it, does it equate to kind of like a CrossFit workout? Is it high intensity or? Um, high intensity, but not like CrossFit because CrossFit kind of burns, uh, the ligaments and joints a little more. Mm-hmm. You put in high weight and high pressure. Okay. Um, and high impact. Um, I kind of keep away from the high impact. This is more just for range of motion. Yeah. For, um, endurance and strength for the muscle. I want uh-huh. to do the deep uh, muscle tissues instead of the outer muscle tissues where you get the bulky effect of looking like you're muscular, like a bodybuilder. Right. I want to be muscular, like a, a um, 
a swimmer. Got it. Yeah. Or you know, Be- because th- this is this is an endurance situation, and, 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 unless you can get it done in the first round. But well, that's my idea. That's <laughs> what I want to do, and that's why I want to push myself so I can warm up really good for the first round. The uh-huh. first round is. Uh, I want to see if he could survive. It's going to be survival for him. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's uh, fire, 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 kill, kill, kill. I mean, uh, that's the attitude. How how old is he? Uh, he is 42 years old. He's uh, two years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. I'm it, 44 years young. I feel great at 44. I feel better now than I did when I was 30. Why? Um, no more injuries. I had a surgery. Um, I had a, a T3, T2, T2, T1, T1, C7 disc replacement, C6, C7 fuse, C6, C5 fuse, C5, So these are all C4. upper. These upper. are all neck and things. Yeah. I had, I had lower back in 2009. I did L45 S1 fused. But, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. So my wife just had L45 fused. Yes. The, the cage. I just, is, that, is that what you had? No, I had the uh, bolts. They bolted it down. Right. They put an artificial bone um, in between the di- um, two vertebrae, mm-hmm. and then they put a protein in there, and they put uh, two bolts on uh, L4, L4, and they put uh, a plate, and they put two bolts into L5, <laughs> and then they put a, a little small pole that went from S1 mm-hmm. to uh, L6. So, and, and, and then what was the recovery time? Uh, recovery time was three months. And I fought six months later after surgery. Wow. Um, it's, I think it's a, a psychological thing also that it just, sure. uh, if your mind kind of limits you, mm-hmm. you're going to be limited to that only to that. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to step outside the comfort box, anything's possible. So you're, you're like, are you still sparring? You spar up until I, the day? I'll spar, uh, next week will be my last sparring session on a Friday. So okay. I spar, uh, and is, it's, and it's hard. Yeah. It's like, we, a, I mean, your guys, your guys are going at it. Yeah. I have three guys in on me. There's a new guy in every minute and a half. Um, so they're, so, so they're rotating. They're rotating. So they're all fresh. Yeah. They're all fresh. Got it. Does, does your wrestling background, so you started wrestling when you were like a sophomore in uh, high school? Yeah. Uh, freshman in my freshman year. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so are you still working off of that core, like as a wrestler? So do you want to get in and grapple where, where some people want to like trade punches? Um, just lately, the last uh, couple of years, you know, um, after I fought Chelsea and I choked Chelsea in the first round, um, that, that was kind of a wrestling match. He's mm-hmm. a wrestler also. Um, then I fought Chuck Liddell last year and I wanted to make it a striking game. Mm-hmm. And I finally learned how to bob and weave my head a little bit. And I think, I guess you could say 22 years ago, I probably should have started doing that a long time ago, <laughs> but I, I've always had a wrestling game of being on top. And I think that's what's kept my career so um, long, mm-hmm. um, the longevity of not taking a beating. You know, I, I've been a guy that's been on top and been in a dominant position. But last year I was like, you know what, let's have some fun. Let's move my head a little bit. So I started learning to move my head and slipping punches and punching back. And um, I would like to do the same thing for this fight on December 7th is uh, finish him on my feet. You know, so, Rio's a, a wrestler, so um and and he so he was with WWE for a while, up until yes. about two years ago. Correct. And and he has a belt from that. Yes, he has a heavyweight championship belt. And so if you win this fight, I'll take that belt. You take that belt. So I put on the line. So I'm a former UFC light heavyweight champion. I uh, defended my world title five times. Um what are you, what are you putting up on this? Uh I'll, I'll put the belt up. Your belt. Okay, got I'll, it. I put my belt up and uh he has put his belt up. And he took a hook, line, and sinker. So, <laughs> is he not saying the same thing about you? By the way, I, he, he, he thinks. I mean, he says one thing, but saying one thing and doing one thing are two totally different things. What, what, what's his? Uh, what's he weigh? Uh, he will weigh in at two hundred ten pounds. I will weigh in at two hundred ten pounds. He's okay. walking around about two seventeen right now. I'm walking around about two twenty seven right now. 
So how, how do you, how do you strip those those last twenty pounds? Is just strictly water. It's only water, um, and I cut water right off and I mm-hmm. put water right back on. So yeah, um, it'll take me three days to make that water come off, and I just uh, kind of do by rations mm-hmm. of food that I intake, of water that I intake, and I'll work it off by putting a sauna suit on, uh, abilene, which is like a, a Vaseline type of uh, um, a resolution or a solution that I mm-hmm. put on my body and it makes my body sweat. sweat yeah, got it. Got and, it. Uh, and I'll sweat it all out. Um, make the way to 210. I'll be at 210 for about maybe two hours. Right. Um, to, for the weigh in. For the weigh in. Okay. And as soon as I weigh in, um, rehydrate myself. The first uh, thing I'll intake is uh, Pedialyte. Right. Because it's high in sodium and it'll um, absorb all the water in my body first before would I. Would you, would you be allowed to do an IV? Uh, you are not allowed to do IVs. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you take it in naturally. I, I did that prior and it used to, it works really, really, yeah. really well. It's good, they, good, good cure for a hangover too. Oh my gosh. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> but you know, um, I think a lot of guys have abused, uh, other substances. So they kind of try to dilute it by using IVs. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Got IVs it. Away. Uh-huh. And it was just, man, I just wish guys would have never done that. It's like, cause IVs helped so much. And I learned that through Randy Couture. It's so quick. I mean, I've always just, always just drank Pedialyte and yeah. just consumed water. But, uh, the IV is just another step. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's direct hydration. Whereas the, all those other things, you got to drink it and then you get up having the runs and everything. They have to ab- absorb into you over time and that yeah. kind of thing. So, and that's why I've always drunk Pedialyte first. The first thing I drank and, uh, cause it's like a cork in me. Mm-hmm. Just keep all the fluid, all the, um, protein and carbohydrates I intake. Mm-hmm. It absorbs my body completely before I, uh, let go of the waste. Let, let's go back for, for people now that we, we know what's happening. Right. Let, let's go back and, and, in, in time and just sort of like trace your path to where, to where you are. Because we talked about it off, off, off air. You have some, some influences. Yes. That, that some, some might consider controversial. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you, um, so you didn't have the easiest childhood. No, not at all. Um, and, and, did, did did wrestling? I don't put this in your mouth, but like, did wrestling save you? One hundred percent. So my true name is Jacob. Okay, um, I'm Jacob Ortiz. Um, I was named Tito by my father, and Tito means tyrant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little tyrant. Okay, I was a bad kid. Okay, a bad kid. And uh, at the age of six, uh, six seven around there, uh, my father got introduced to heroin by uh, his brother because um, my father had a. His, um, what was it? A hernia taken out and they put him on morphine oh, in shit. the hospital. Okay. And uh, when he got out of the hospital, he was still like kind of having pain. And so my uncle introduced him, which his brother introduced him to heroin. And wow. uh, he started taking heroin. And when I was about seven, life kind of changed. It went from him having a job, him not having a job to us moving in a motel, um, going from motel to motel to motel. Mm-hmm. And I kind of realized that, you know, I kept smelling matches, kept smelling the sulfur. Well, that was them burning the spoon. We say them, both parents? My, my mother and uh-huh. my mother, correct. And um, I kind of got away from it for a little bit. I um, would uh, go to Newport Pier. I'd take the 43 bus from Santa Ana down to Newport Pier, and I'd fish all the time. Uh-huh. Fishing was a big thing I loved. I loved fishing. And um, on one of my dad's last jobs, we went on a boat called the Helena in Newport Landing. And uh, it was a charter boat. And we went fishing, and I was just naming the fish off. You know, that's a calico bass. It's a sand bass. Uh-huh. Oh, that barracuda. Oh, that halibut. And they're like... You're a young kid. How do you know this? I'm like, I love fishing. You're like, we well, need to like come out and come out and fish for free, and you can scrub the boat on the way in. I'm like, can I? Please. <laughs> and they were just like, it's excited. <laughs> yeah, I was then. So um, I was supposed to go to school the next day. I said, all right, I'm going to school. Bye. Instead of going to school, I had. Uh, How old were you? 
I was uh, six. No, I was eight years old. Wow. I uh, hopped on the 43 bus. I had uh, 25 cents and went down to the harbor. And I right before the boat took off, I was like, Tom, dude, I, uh, I'm here. I'm, he's like, don't you have school today? I was like, oh, no, I don't have school today. They, they said days off. And so I hopped on the boat, went fished all day, came back, scrubbed the boat, and I scrubbed it great. And he taught me the right way. And I was hooked. And um, in and out of school, doing that, I mean, I would show up to school a couple of days a week and mm-hmm. do that the other days of the week or the weekends. Oh, and, and your parents didn't care didn't because care. they had their mind someplace else. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I um, from that, I I got to a point where, um, you know, I had to be home some of the times and there was gangs uh, in my area. Um, F Troop was a gang mm-hmm. um, in Santa Ana that I was up hanging out with and then I became a member. Um, I got jumped in where you walk uh, down a uh, kind of little lane of guys of five. There's mm-hmm. five guys on each side, and you get punched in the face mm-hmm. and kicked, and you got to walk all the way down to the end. Um, I did that and hanging out with them, hanging out with them, uh, drinking at a young age, smoking marijuana at a young age. How old are you in this by this point? Um, I was nine, ten. Wow, nine, ten, eleven. Okay. Um, and then around twelve, thirteen, I uh, would go back down to the pier and I would work at the Dory Fleet right next to Newport Pier. Um, bait and lines and so forth. Uh, came back to Santa Ana um, one of the times, and I was hanging out with my buddies, and one of our friends got uh, shot and killed by a rival gang and uh, right in front of me. And I told my mom about it, and she didn't believe me. And uh, as we drove by, he was getting carried away in a body bag. Wow. And she came to a realization that, you know, when I get my, get my son out of this, if mm-hmm. I don't get my son out of this, he's going to be next. Mm-hmm. And uh, she told my father, either you get sober or um, I'm taking your taking our son. And a couple of weeks later, my mom says, get up, let's go. What do you mean, let's go? Like, We're moving. She ended up finding a boyfriend and got remarried. We moved back to Huntington Beach, where I have three older brothers who live there with a guardian. And uh, life changed. It was it was really, really um, a savior. My mom saved me. My mm-hmm. mom, uh, after being with my father for 14 years, was not selfish and thought of my future and saved my life by getting me out of there. I uh, found wrestling when I was a freshman in high school. Of course, being a huge fan of WWE, mm-hmm. watching Hulk Hogan and say your prayers, take your vitamins. I mean, I I I, I loved it. I, I really walked in the wrestling room at uh, Huntington High and was looking around and like I seen mats, but I was like, "Where's the ring?" At? Oh right, right. And they were like, "What do you mean ring? You know, like the WWF, the ring." You're like, "No, dude, this is collegiate wrestling. This right. is high school and college and Olympic wrestling." Yeah. I was like, All right. Uh, but can I slam the guy? He goes, if you can slam the guy, you get points. I go, I get points? Go, oh, I'm in. Let's do it. Uh, first year, started varsity. I uh, worked harder and harder and harder. And I, uh, were, were you a big, big kid? No, as a freshman, I was uh, five six, 125 pounds. Okay. Uh, my uh, sophomore year, I was uh, about five eight, about 145 pounds. My junior year, I was uh, six foot. 170 pounds. Then my senior year, I was six two, uh, six one and a half, um, about 185 pounds. Mm-hmm. But I just got bigger and bigger. I got better and better. I mean, I was a skinny kid, long, lanky. But I would always watch video of my other wrestlers. You know, like uh, John Smith, former Olympic champion. Um, a lot of uh, pinning uh, schools like uh, Grambling, and 
a guy like uh, from Iowa, or not Iowa, from Nebraska University, Jason Kelber. Uh, I watched Cradles and stuff like that. Had mm-hmm. ten guys. Yeah, I just got better by watching. I was uh, this uh, is this is stuff you're doing outside of your of the training that everyone else is getting. So you're you're, you're you're getting into it at this point. I'm 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 full board. I'm into it. I, mm-hmm. I loved it. You know, I went from a kid that was had a, um, being a part of a gang and always looking for attention to my parents not even caring about me to my mom caring and getting me out of there and mm-hmm. finding wrestling and all the um, wrestlers parents. Loving me, mm-hmm. giving me the respect and not respect, just giving me the the attention. I was a kid that was dying for attention. Mm-hmm. And um it was just uh the hard work was paying off. The harder I worked, the more attention I got. I got mm-hmm. attention from the the teachers, they would help me. Right, like the right kind of attention. Yeah, the right point. kind of attention. Yeah. It was um there was one teacher I remember that when I was a sophomore and uh I, I, I played around a little bit when I was in school when I was in wrestling time. Um but I had to keep my grades up to keep eligible for wrestling. Got it. And I remember pulling me aside his name, Andy Verdun. He told me, you know what? You're going to be a little piece of shit when you graduate. You're going to be pushing a shopping cart. I go, really? Who is this? A teacher or a kid? A teacher. Okay. A teacher. Okay. Uh, Mr. Andy Verdun. And uh, a little story. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up graduating high school. I took six in the state, CAF champion, um, league champion, two-time league champion. And I, I did very well, but I, you know, I came to a point in my life that I didn't want to live in my mom's home with my stepdad. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't live in another man's home. I just, I felt like I, I could take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And at 18, you think you own the world. Yeah, you of take course. On the world. Made a rubber and think you can do anything. Yeah. Yep. And I uh, come to realize that it's a vicious circle out here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked for a moving company called Allied Moving Service. Um, I was moving homes, working 16 hour shifts. And it uh, was a fact. So this is after school? This is, I graduated. I okay, got, got, got my diploma. Okay. And uh, I, it was hard working the long hours, and I got introduced to methamphetamine. And um, I was using for about a good year, and I was working my ass off, and I was at one of the bars in Huntington Beach, and one of the wrestling coaches came up to me, he's like, Tito? I go, yeah. He goes, you doing all right, man? I'm making ends meet. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to just take care of myself. He goes, you ever thought about coming back to school? Goes, you don't look too good, man. I go, what do you mean I don't look too good? I'm fine. And not even realizing it at all. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a denial mode, I think, when mm-hmm. people have an addiction. Um, I was using speed 24-7. Um, I was working my ass off just to pay bills. And he's all, you're Mexican, right? I go, yes, I'm half Mexican. And he's all, um, you ever thought about coming back to school? I go, well, I don't have parents to take care of me. I'm on my own. He's all, well, I think I get you financial aid. I go, really? He goes, yeah, the junior college, they, they got financial aid, and, um, and we can see about getting it for you. I go, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I think you need it, man. Well, that was a Saturday night. Partied all night with my friends. Sunday morning um, rolls around. Saturday, Sunday around 2 p.m., and I had to go to bed because I know I had to wake up in the morning for work. And I went to go look in the mirror to brush my teeth after showering, and I didn't recognize myself. Yikes. I was uh, 6'2", 180 pounds. Sucked up. I mean, mm-hmm. at right now, I'm, I mean, I'm 6'3", uh, 230, 227. Mm-hmm. So get down to 185. I was sucked Pretty up. Pretty gaunt, yeah. Pimples all over my face, dark circles under my eyes, and I was turning to my parents, and it scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a, a, a marking moment in my life of, um, am I going to be a man or a mouse? You know. Um, and I made a decision. I woke up that morning, and I called uh, Allied Moving Service, and I said, oh, I'm not going to be able to make it in today. He's like, what do you mean? You're not we need it. We need you. We don't have anybody to cover you. I was like, I want to see about the school. They're like, well, if you don't come in today, you're fired. I go, well, you know what? I guess I quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, walked into the wrestling, I walked into the office of the coach and he had a big smile on his face. He goes, you're here. I go, 
I don't want to turn into my parents. Mm -hmm. I want to make something different for myself. And he goes, that's your first step right there. He goes, I'm proud of you. So what month of the year is this? This is, um, gosh, I would say this is in September. So, and so you went right to, right to school. I went right to school. He like hooked it up, hooked it up. That's solid. I, I got, it was, uh, um, was it Raul Doherty at Golden West Junior College? Uh, he was a surfing coach, um, wrestling coach also. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Uh, he, uh, he helped me out. He went out of his way to give me financial aid. I got my school paid for my units paid for, got mm-hmm. my books paid for. I got a stipend every three months was like, I think a thousand bucks. And back then a thousand dollars for three months was like a million dollars. Um, I, uh, Put myself through school. You know, it was it was hard. It was challenging. I ended up winning the state title in wrestling, um, and then won it two years. But uh, after the first year, I started training with Tank Abbott, who was a UFC fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, just wrestling with him, only wrestling, and I did jiu-jitsu a little bit too. But uh, UFC 13, May 30th, 1997, I got my first try. How, how old were you at this point? Um, I was 22 years old. So college, you was done. No, I was, uh, I actually was in my beginning of my junior or my sophomore year, beginning wow. of my sophomore year, because I took a year and a half off. Okay. Well, my problem, I had my addiction. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was sober after that. And uh, I got into UFC and I fought for free. I think I'm the only UFC fighter in UFC history to ever fight for free because mm-hmm. I couldn't lose my scholarship. I don't want to lose my scholarship for wrestling. Got it. And, uh, was that part of the story when you were fighting? People, everyone knew that this was happening. Yeah, that's yeah. that's wild. That's I awesome. mean, a, a lot of it was kind of uh, downplayed, you know. Um, at the time, uh, UFC was bought by the Petito brothers, and mm-hmm. Dana White was the president. And me and him didn't see eye to eye because I was fighting for the same thing he was fighting for when he was my manager, and uh, he didn't like that at all. So he kind of downplayed me a lot. Got it. And it was because uh, he wasn't going to make money off of you fighting. Well, he was making money off me fighting, but he didn't want to give me the money that I was deserved. Okay. But I mean, that's, there's a totally different story on that. Mm-hmm. But, um, once again, when I got into fighting and I, I was always that kid that was a dying for attention. And after I fought, you know, got people asking for my autograph. I was like, oh, this is a dream, mm-hmm. like a dream that has a kid that is truly happening. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be in WWF that I was be doing this, but it was in UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, I came back home, uh, to one of the bars I normally go to and my buddy's like, Hey, let's go to this nightclub. Went to the nightclub and we're standing in line. And one of the guy at the security looks down and I was like, Tito Ortiz? Well, yeah. He's like, come up here, man. You don't wait in line. Who's you with? I want three of my buddies. So come on in. I came in. I was like, wow, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Never had this happen before. Went to the bar to order a drink. Guy goes, hey, that's Tito Ortiz. Drinks on me, dude. Don't worry about it. I was like, wow, this is fucking this that's is amazing. amazing. Uh-huh. And uh, I just, it was once again that kid who was dying for attention. Mm-hmm. He was finally getting attention. And I felt like if I, the harder I worked, the more attention I got. And the more um, things I earned from it mm-hmm. and uh, became the world champion a year and a half later. And it was just, uh, it was, it was crazy. I got my um, AA degree at Golden West Junior College. Then I went to Cal State Bakersfield and I tried to get my bachelor's degree. Um, I finished a year there um, at the end of wrestling, on my wrestling season. Um, I got injured right before the season was over and the coach never called and kind of seen how I was. He was always an asshole to me prior. And um, I said, you know what, I'm not going to stay here and get abused by this guy or I'm going to try this UFC thing out. Mm-hmm. So I made a decision and I packed my bags and I put my bag on his desk. I said, you know what? I'm going to be the bigger man. I'm walking away. I go, if this had been a year ago, I'd be kicking your ass right now, but I'll be the bigger man. I'm going to walk away. Mm-hmm. Walk into the wrestling room to all the guys. Guys, thank you so much for the year. I appreciate it. Assistant coaches, uh, Daryl Pope, I appreciate what you've done for me. Thank you very much. And uh, I walked out. 
I uh, moved down to Huntington Beach. And they kind of know what's happening. I mean, they, they, they're, they're following your other career at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, they, they seen the abuse that the coach was. He wasn't just towards me. It was to other, other, uh, wrestlers in the room too. There was a guy, David Afoe, who was one of my best friends, uh, had a bad stuttering problem and the coach didn't make fun of him. Like, just wow. be like, like seriously, I'm like, how can you be a coach and do that? I would, right. I would bring, I mean, I would stand up for my friend mm-hmm. and, uh, it was just one of those things. Um, I ended up leaving. I came back down to Huntington Beach. I uh, got an apartment. I would train during the day, and then at nighttime, I worked at uh, Spanky's Triple X, which is an adult novelty store. Okay. So I sold uh, Schmutt. <laughs> um, I was making $15 an hour plus 15% commission, and I was making some decent money. But uh, I was training really hard. I fought um, Jerry Bolander. Um, so, so you're how long are you fighting until you're making enough money to commit to it? My first fight. My first fight. First fight back. First fight back, I made $7,500. First fight back after college. After college. Got it. Okay. Yeah, okay. After college. Got and, it. And I made $7,500 and I was working. So I was doing both. So that was pretty decent money for me back then. Mm-hmm. $7,500. bucks. I was like, this is great. Then my next fight, I made, uh, what was it? 25000 so Got it. All of a sudden, it became a little bit more money. Yep. And then I fought for the world title against Frank Shamrock. Um, and I made another 25000 I would have made an extra 25000 if I would have won. Mm-hmm. And I lost to him. And um, I went back to work that day. Ba- barely lost. I barely lost. He, he said it was like rope dope game. Um, I whooped his ass for four rounds. Right. Actually, four, three and a half rounds. And uh, he got me at the end of the fourth round. But it taught oh, me. Oh, he was tiring you out. Yeah, he tired me Got it. He, but he ta- I, I learned a lot from it. Sure. But uh, after that fight, I went back to my work at Spanky's. And uh, the owner who used to own her, he passed away a few years ago, Ron Haskins. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, I just got sp- Spanky's. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. got the name. It makes, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> he pulled me in his office and he said, Tito, um, I don't think this is jobs for you. I go, what do you mean, man? I'm making good money. I'm just paying for my apartment, paying for my cell phone. I need this job. I'm, I mean, I do extra hours for you. I, I always show up. I'm never late. And he's like, mm-hmm. just calm down, calm down. <laughs> I go, no, but I, I really need this job. I need the money to take care of myself. He's all, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do something better for you. He's all, how about we sponsor you? You put Spanky's Triple X on your shorts <laughs> and I'll pay for your apartment. I'll pay for your food. I'll pay for your cell phone. And you just need to train full time because I watched your fight and you should have won that. If you weren't working here, I think you would have won that. And um, I want you to do it full time. I go, really? He goes, yeah. And just the type of person he was, I mean, he it was just amazing for someone to, go, to reach out like that to mm-hmm. help me and to give me that opportunity. And it was an opportunity. You know, it wasn't really truly just help. He seen something in me that uh, many people didn't see. And I was thankful because I was able to train full time. I uh, fought Vanderlei Silva for a vacant world title because Frank Shamrock vacated it. And he didn't want to rematch me, mm-hmm. and um, I I beat Vanderlei Silva in a five round fight in Japan, and I became uh, wearing wearing the Spanky's logo and yeah, stuff. Yeah, wearing the Spanky's logo. That's on my amazing. Butt. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> How many fights did you do wearing that logo? I think about mm, one, two, three, four, five, six. After I became the world champion. Uh, Ron pulled me aside and he said, Tito, um, I think we need to take that off your shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was looking out for my best yeah, interest. Yeah. It, it was an honorable man. It just shows that uh, what type of person he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he seen someone to help and he helped me. And I'm very thankful for that man. Um, you know, I say he passed away a long time ago. And uh, I'm thankful because he, he did. He, he, he helped. He, he made my dream come true. You have a lot of these, like these 
father figures coming in and helping where they see that you're not getting guidance from your dad. Yeah, you know my I mean? father was never there. Um, you know, I from about 13, uh, yeah, from 13, I never had a father. Mm-hmm. Even prior to that, he really wasn't there. I mean, he was always high. And I remember when my mom and dad first separated, uh, I would went to the movies and went to go watch uh, Bloodsport. The movie when it first came out, mm-hmm. and I remember watching it, and I was like, a part came, I was like, oh, dad, you see that? And then he's like nodding out in the chair next to me, and it was just, I'll never forget that. Yeah. I mean, that was shit, man. That's 30 years ago, and I, I, I you can't forget things like that at a young age. And uh, me having three boys, um, I would never want them to ever visualize something like that yeah. at all. Um, but being present and being a responsible parent um, or a father in general, or mother, um, it's important to your kids. I think um, the kids weren't asked to be brought on this earth, mm-hmm. but uh, if you bring them in on this earth, it's uh, it's a full time job. It's not something you can hand a cell phone to or an iPad to and yeah. say, "Oh, here, take care of your time now." Yeah, my kids, my twin boys, Jesse and Journey, who are ten years old, they don't have cell phones, they don't have iPads, um, they have an Xbox, but they only get to earn Xbox. Mm-hmm. They haven't played Xbox now for the last two months because they messed up. Uh, some little times in their school, you know, where they don't follow through on uh, homework or they won't follow through on tests or they get uh, lower grades. Um, this you're, you're being the parent that you wish that you had. I, exactly. So, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things we have those discussions like where you turn a negative into a positive. Yes. And you either you either do or you don't. Right. 100%. So so you you have a choice. You, you have many crossroads, many during a day and many in your life, whatever. But like when you get to make a decision based on your past experiences. And so you're choosing to, to do things differently than they were done to you, which, you know, makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the things that I'm not, I learned it when I was in college. Um, I had a child development was on my, um, one of my courses that I took and I learned the development of a child's mind to, a uh, mm-hmm. adult. I mean, it's just separate stages that I've been able to be there for my kids, you know, from, birth until six is that loving and affection feeling mm-hmm. kids need mm-hmm. from six to 11. It's always the rebellion mm-hmm. side where they want to try to press the envelope and try to see what they can get away with and what they can and cannot get away with mm-hmm. from 11 to 18 is the extra rebellion where they kind of feel like, uh, they know everything and this is the way it should be uh, with my twins. I haven't got an opportunity to get that yet because they're only 10, but, uh, we're kind of nipping it in the butt right now. Um, a month ago, um, both of them got a D in one of their subjects and in the same subject and the same, su- uh, yes, in the same subject. Okay. And, uh, I warned them and this was two weeks before Halloween, three, oh, three weeks before Halloween. I warned them. I said, you guys don't get your grade up. I go, I'm shaving your heads. They're like, what? And because kids loves their hair. Like what? I'm all, I'm serious guys. You guys need to get your grades up journey. You got to stop being lazy, you need to follow through on your stuff. They're like, yeah, yeah, dad, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's always here, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, are you paying attention to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Halloween comes around, and they're all just all about Halloween, and mm-hmm. they love Halloween. It's their favorite holiday of the year, even more than Christmas, which is crazy for a kid, but they just like to be scared. Mm-hmm. Um, Halloween was over, and pull up the internet, thank God, now in school, you pull yeah. up the internet and see what the grades are. Mm-hmm. He got an F in one of them, oh, he had another shit. one. And the grade dropped all the way down to almost an F. Um, the other one had almost a D, or he had a D. I said, guys, what I tell you? They're like, we know, Dad. But we'll own up to it. You can shave our heads. It's okay. I was, it's that okay to you? <laughs> I was like, all right, okay. 
Well, here's even better. There's a reverse mohawk. Yeah. There's a Caesar's haircut. Oh, shit. I'm leaving your guys' hair like that, and you guys are going to school like that. Oh, And this no. is a Friday night. That is so well played. And they, so rough. they started crying. They're like, no, Dad, we can't go to school like this. Our teachers won't let us. I go, no, no, I'll call the principal. He'll be okay with it. And they're like, no, dad, please don't. I'm on. <laughs> guys, you have no accountability at all. You guys think that you can say, yeah, yeah, yeah to me, and that's what I'm going to be okay with? Mm-hmm. I go, I, I refuse to do that. I mm-hmm. go, I refuse for a mediocre child in this home. Mm-hmm. I, go, I want you guys to do great things. Like, yeah, we get it. We understand. But please, we, don't, we can't go to school like this. I go, well, you guys better get your grades up. And Saturday rolls around. They wake up. I'm like, Dad, please shave our heads, please. I go, what are you guys going to promise me? You guys going to promise me you're going to do well in school? You're going to promise me you're going to follow through on your homework? You're going to follow through that you're going to clean up around the house and do the extra chores that matter? They're like, yeah, Dad, I promise, I promise. I go, all right. Went to bed that night, Sunday morning. They're like, Dad, please, I promise. I promise you that we're going to finish our work. I promise you. And the journey's like, Dad, I promise I'll follow through on everything. I promise. Please, please, please. I go, all right, guys. This is our word. Come here. Shake hands. Look me in the eyes. Shake hands. I promise I'm going to do well. I go, all right. They shave your heads perfect. They shave your head and they're all happy. It's been three weeks now. Uh huh. Those grades are up to B's now. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that's I, awesome. I, but I, I, mean, I put it on social media. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, uh, Tito Ortiz, 1989 on my uh, Instagram. And I put it out just to our other parents knowing that this is... I don't want to say real parenting, but this is making your kids accountable. Dude, I respect that. Especially the fact that like when they were like, they submitted to that, he- that head shaving and you're like, hold on a second. Yeah, no, I, that was yeah. the attitude. I mean, and you know, I've had to spank their asses maybe twice and it didn't get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't really cry. Right. I mean, it, they're too damn tough. The kids are too damn tough. And it's just, I'm showing them how to hit. I don't want to show them how to hit. Mm-hmm. I want to show them what the Use your know, brain. consequences, yeah. what's the consequences yeah. behind their actions and the accountability behind it. And by doing that, I did it and it, it worked. And now it's just like the teacher's like, I don't know what you got, you said to them or what the kind of deal you got with them. But all of a sudden they're raising their hands and asking questions. And I'm like, I'm helping them be accountable of their actions. Mm-hmm. And it's important. Um, my parents didn't care. My parents, my parents never pushed education on me. Um, my kids read an hour a day, five days a week. Um, Saturdays, if they get an A during the the week of any of their little tests or quizzes or anything like that, they get Cool King, uh, which is frozen yogurt. Um, they don't drink sodas. They don't eat candy. They can only have candy on um, Halloween and their birthday and uh, Easter. Um, I, I'm starting. So I, I'm putting this all together. Okay. So, so here's what I put together. Yep. So. This all this all ties into your hat. Okay. So so a point. So we we're going to talk about it. I, as as people know. Listen, I don't get political. Yeah. So so this is this we're going to talk about this. But you'll see this isn't a political talk. Although I don't, you know, it's it's fine. We can all have differences. So you you have a MAGA hat on. Correct. And it's a black one. It actually looks kind of nice. Um, and <laughs> and uh, it goes with your suit. Looks looks great. But but one of the things we talked about before you came on is that you. You were on The Apprentice. Yes, The Celebrity Apprentice. So, and, and so you interacted with him. Yes, I was on Donald Trump's shoulder as much as I possibly could. And okay. we were with him seven days a week. Yeah. And he was there pretty much seven days right. a week. Right. So, so, he, so he was, he was a, a mentor to you. 
he, yes. he probably was at some point in some regards a, a father figure in some of the advice. You told me that you asked him a lot of advice. Asked him a lot of advice. Why would you not? Why would you not be in the I, presence of a billionaire and not ask, I, ask as many questions as possible? As I learned when I was in college, um, you who you surround yourself with is who you become. Mm -hmm. And I had an opportunity to surround myself with a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And people say, yeah, he was bankrupt and came back became a billionaire bankrupt came back a billionaire yeah but back then back then those those, those weren't weren't really the discussions we, because, and, because he was a he was a an entertainer a performer and and he was he was genuinely really well liked yes. and so and, and again he's giving you all this advice and i know people one of my buddies neil was a, a door guy for him for like five years. He was a comedian. He was also a door guy. He said that Trump treated him better than anybody he's ever worked for. And, and I, and I, and I believe it. And everyone who, who's had a personal interaction with him says this. Yes. And so, uh, you know, and again, we, we talked a little bit about the, on the political side off of this. And I don't care if we do or don't, but, but one of the things that, that you have shown is, and talking about people that have that have helped you move on in your career, you've had you've had people that you've, you've talked about that at integral points helped you move, move on or move past something or get a new a new start, and and you and by talking about those people, some of them uh, were thirty years ago, yeah, or more, or more, exactly. and, and and so you're talking about the people, and, and you you're showing your loyalty towards people who have done you well. I've always. Always and always will and continue and I'll spread it down to my kids. Mm -hmm. Loyalty is very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, respect is very, very important. And this is something that I learned with the respect is from a gang, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is crazy. And it's like, you got to have respect the veteranos, which means the veterans or the mm -hmm. older guys. You got to have respect for them. Um, you got to respect women. You have your um, your punishment athletics. Yes, I've had it since 1999. And, um, and so have you... Have you I should know this, but have you officially retired before? Um, yes, I officially retired uh, in 2013 uh, with UFC. You were inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2012? Uh, it was 13, I think. 13? Okay. Yeah, I believe it was 13. Um, and me and Dana didn't see eye to eye. Um, my ex-girlfriend, Jenna Jameson, uh, that I had the twin boys with, uh, she was just very toxic. It was a bad relationship. It was great in the beginning, but when we had kids, it just went downhill after that. She... Uh, was um, using drugs, using, um, was it, um, God, I always forget, because I was trying to put it away so much. Uh, she was using pills at the time, yeah. and um, I, I was losing my family, and it became to a factor that I was doing, or we were doing everything my parents were doing. I wasn't using, right. but she was using. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was drinking alcohol, smoking weed, and it was common, but... You know, um, Oxycontin. She was eating yeah. Oxys and yeah. Xanax and drinking alcohol and champagne on top of it. And um, a lot of things that went on with my kids, I just uh, didn't have any clue what was going on because we had nannies taking care of our kids. Mm -hmm. um, I came back down from a camp because I'd go up to Big Bear and have my training camp for mm -hmm. two months. I would come down and all of a sudden one of the kids fall and scrape his knee and starts crying. And the kid gets up and reaches in. On one side, Jenna's sitting on one side, and then the nanny's sitting on the other, and the kid jumps up and reaches for the nanny, mm -hmm. and not for her mom. I'm mm -hmm. like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. So I kind of sit down when she went upstairs, asking nannies, I go, what does she do when I'm gone? She's like, oh, she, she stays in the room. I go, okay, well, what's she do when the kids are going to sleep? Well, we, we put them to sleep. Go, what about when feeding them? Well, we feed them. I'm like, what the, what's, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And um, couldn't realize she was just so much in an addiction that uh, it was my parents all over again. 
and I had to make the same decision my mom made and it was hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I talk about love. I loved her like, like no one I've ever loved before. I mean, I went through so much trauma, so much just toxicity that was just, uh, I wouldn't want to give it on my worst, my worst enemy. Um, but I lived through it and, uh, it made my skin thicker and made me a stronger person, a stronger man. And, uh, when I walked away from her and I uh, got full custody to my children, um, my life changed. Mm-hmm. I remember that day when I called my attorney and I told her and she's like, I go, this is the hardest thing. I don't know if I can get through it. She's like, Tito, I promise you a year from now, you're going to be thanking me. You're going to be going, this is the best time of your life. And I swear to you, <laughs> March 23rd, 2014, I had the biggest smile on my face. I'll sit in my uh, attorney's office and I said, Deanne, thank you very, very much. Mm-hmm. I got out of that toxic bowl. I looked back into it and it was just yellow, green, murky, just dirtiest water possible. And I don't want to go back in there again. My life changed. Life was normal. I started living a normal life. My kids started having a normal life. Um, I had to go through court. I went through court and I found out some things she was doing to my children that um, someone should probably go to jail for. Um, I don't really want to get into those details, um, but I found a person to help me and I had to get that through therapy. I went to a therapist uh, during my custody battles and um, I sat down and talked to him and I told my childhood and I told him about a lot of things we talked about. And um, he's like, Tito, stop trying to save your mom. Let me tell you, they hit, yep. me, they hit me like a ton of bricks on my chest, man. And it was just like, it broke me down. I was like, wow. He's like, you need to find someone to help you. Um, the girlfriend I have now, Amber Nicole Miller, I've been with her for six and a half years. And uh, she saved me. She saved me. She saved my life. She uh, is my kid's mother, um, not biologically, but emotionally, physically um, there. Their mother stepped out. Mm-hmm. It's been six and a half years, almost seven years now that she's been gone. And not a word, not a peep. She, um, we went to court, and she tried to get custody, and she had to abide the orders that uh, the court made, and she couldn't do one thing. I mean, therapy, um, drug testing, things like that of that nature, and she couldn't do one of them in one step. And it just uh, shows either how weak she is or just how guilty she was, and she couldn't do it. But my kids are happy. They don't remember her at all. Um, it's kind of sad. I, I wish she would get help, but uh, she 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 just um, I don't. Know, it's for the better, I think. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad to say, but I rather her be gone than her be around and screw up their minds because they're so affected by things at the age they are right now. And um, but like I say, Amber is Amber. That's my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She's not mom. She's only mom at school and other kids would be like, is that your mom? Yeah, that's my mom. Mm-hmm. So they have, they have that mother figure and I'm lucky. I'm fortunate because she is very unselfish. Kids come first on every means. And she understands that. Um, I finally have someone who praises me and um, puts me on a pedestal and not tries to do it the other way around or just putting themselves on a pedestal. And I put her on my pedestal always. Um, she comes first in my life with mm-hmm. my kids and um, we're on the same page when it comes to parenting. You know, it's not like uh, we coddle our kids at all, zero. There's no coddling in our home unless it's I love you and movie time or, you know, proud of uh, the homework they turn in or the work they're doing or even just clean up around the house. I mean, uh, there's times 
every single day I tell my kids I love them. Mm-hmm. Every single day I tell my kids that I'm proud of them. You know, the, these are the 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 peeling back the layers of this onion and and getting to know who you are. Because look, when when people look at this poster of you, look how mean you look there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's fine because that is who you are. For, that's my character. That's yeah, but that's yeah, that or that's who you are when you step in the ring. It's your yes. character. It's, yes. it's it's who you have to be in that situation. You can't be a guy who you admit that you you cry. You have cats. You you know the the, the way you parent. It's like it's uh, it's 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 been it's been a, a privilege to get to to know who you are. And understand why you are where you are and, you know, how you've become who you are now. I mean, for the average person, just to kind of listen to this story, mm-hmm. um, I'm an Aquarius to a T. If anybody, and what is that? Um, very loyal, um, very proud, um, takes care of his people around him like they're, they're, they're his own. Mm-hmm. Um, very respectful, loyal. Um, to the bone and uh, caring. I'm a very caring person. I, I, I protect. I'm a protector. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't say loving enough because I'm not a fighter. I'm an entertainer. Fighting is just something that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky. I'm fortunate because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my, on my mother's side, her, my grandfather, um, Herman Johnson, um, who passed away when I was 13 years old when I first started wrestling. He told me this wrestling thing. He goes, Tito, this wrestling thing's going to be very good for you. I go, what do you mean, Grandpa? So I think you're going to go very far. Um, How old were you? I was 13 years old. It was, uh, I remember this conversation to the day. It was uh, Thanksgiving day. Um, he passed away about two weeks later. And uh, I remember carrying his casket and just crying. And, mm-hmm. But there's always been this uh, person over my shoulder, always this person watching over me. And I think it's him. Mm-hmm. And he was a priest of Pacific Palisades in Hawaii um, during World War II, help uh, a lot of the soldiers who um, got bombed back to the medical ward and so mm-hmm. forth. But I think he's a person that's looking over me. My mom's saying, Grandpa always said, when he passed away, he's going to look over us. And I think Grandpa's been looking over you. Um, a while back, I did, uh, was it... Uh, Haunted, uh, the haunted stories, or some of the some of the stories that are on um, one of the things that were on Discovery Channel or something, or oh, got it, um, haunted tales. Okay, um, yeah. But they have my median come in. Okay. Well, when I was with my ex uh, Jenna, she lived in the um, up in the Hollywood Hills off of uh, Sunset Plaza, and uh, there was a guy who hung himself in the house. And when I was there, um, she would leave and go to her photo shoots, and I'd hear someone walking up the stairs. I'd be like, Jenna, hello. Jenna? Mm-hmm. And I open the door and there's no one there. I'm like, what the hell? I sit down. I was like, fuck. I pulled a gun, pulled a 38 out, and I was like, fuck, someone's coming to fucking home. I'm putting mm-hmm. a bullet in them. I'm scared mm-hmm. the shit out of me. And then I hear it again. I walk up and I'm like walking to the door with a gun. I'm like, oh, if someone's in this home, you better not be I'm going to put a hole in you. Yeah. And it happened a few times. Um, and then there's another time I was sitting in the living room and to the left of me, there was the kitchen and I could see someone like a, a, um, a shadow watching me mm-hmm. and I go to look and it wouldn't be there. And I'd be like, what the hell is going on right now? Well, the median came and she went, went to the house. She was like, wow, this house is really strong. Um, she goes, who are these two guys with you? I go, like, what do you mean two guys? She's all, there's a really big, large man to the right of you. And there's another man, a little bit shorter, but he's wearing a, um, a, a captain's hat. 
she started making me cry right that second. Yeah, this is so <laughs> on my 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 father's side, um, my grandpa, he always used to wear a captain's hat, uh-huh. and he would sit, and I would sit with him, and this was you know when I lived with my grandma, with my mom and dad, and uh, he'd eat hot, hot chili peppers. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell me stories and stuff, and that was my grandpa with the captain's hat, mm-hmm. and the big man was my mom's father, my grandpa Herman Johnson. Mm-hmm. He's six uh, four, about. 250 and she's saying and the bigger man has big angel wings around him and he goes you, she, she goes you have someone watching over you and nobody knows my stories mm-hmm. like no one knows nothing about my grandma there wasn't a photograph for that around nothing, to pull that from? zero nothing at all that's what made me cry i was like yeah this girl's for real yeah and then she busts out the factor that your son jacob loves you and my son Jacob hasn't really been a part of my life because my ex moved to Arizona with them when we got divorced. And he goes, he loves you and he's very proud of you. Um, and he'll always love you. And that just like shook me up more because that they're really, they're nothing about that either. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how does this girl know this thing? And she just started telling, she's like, you're a really good man. I go, well, of course. I mean, I know. And she's like, no, but you have some good things ahead of you. You have some really good things ahead of you. Just keep doing what you're doing and believe what you believe in. And I, I look at these things and, I am a fighter, but I'm a fighter in life. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's after? So, is this your last fight? Um, no, I'll have one more after this. Okay. Um, I, I just I want to make the best of now. I you know I'm 44 years young, and why I say young because I feel better now than I did when I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. Just because I have nothing toxic around me. Mm-hmm. Um, my injuries are gone. I've had surgeries that have. Uh, that's I've fucking wild, by the way. That's yeah. th- those surgeries are like I said. That's 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 just impressive, and and the fact that you're saying psychological like i get it i get it i mean it makes sense the the positive reinforcement in human nature needs to be shown even more for children and adults in general Mm -hmm. if you feed somebody negativity for such a long time they'll live in that negative environment Mm -hmm. but if you switch it around and put it in a positive reinforcements the sky's the limits there's so much you can do that is just believing i mean every day i wake up i believe i can do it I don't wake up doubting myself. I don't want to doubt myself. My kids, the same thing. I tell them, I'm like, you, this is possible, guys. You can do this. I know you can do this. I don't say, oh, you're not going to do it. Shoot, prove me wrong. No, I don't want to prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. I go, boys, you can do this. I want you to prove me right. Show me you can do it. Mm-hmm. And it helps. It helps a lot. I mean, it's just, it's funny because when I was in college and this, the classes I took, I didn't realize I was taking them for my life in general and it helped. Sure. Taking psychology one on one, it mm-hmm. helped so much. Mm-hmm. Taking uh, speech classes. I mean, I didn't know I was going to speak in front of millions on pay per view and so forth for my fights, but that helped. You know, taking child development for my children, I didn't know I was going to have kids, but it helped mm-hmm. because I'll be able to. I mean, I came back and I uh, taught wrestling for amateur and for high school for uh, collegiate wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean, being a, a role model towards kids, it, it's hard because I don't want to be a role model. I want anybody to model my life because I've made so many mistakes. But I've learned something through those mistakes and not making those state mistakes happen twice. Um, I think more of an inspiration in people's lives because I want people to inspire by the ins- inspirational things that I've done in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made, I don't want to say, I've made a lot of mistakes. i made plenty of mistakes. I've never made the mistakes twice. Mm-hmm. But it's I failed so much that I've learned from those failures. It made me a strong man today, um, and I'm very thankful of it. And I, I just look at the end of the day that you know I'm trying to make the best of this life now. And at 44 years young, I feel young and invigorated uh, that uh, my my body can still go through the grind. When when is the next fight? 
uh, fights uh, after this one, yeah. on December seventh. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't. Okay. I haven't fought past or I thought past uh, December seventh about ten thirty p.m. when I get my yeah hand. right. Got it. <laughs> I, I haven't really. I don't try to count my chickens before the hatch. I've never done that. I want to make sure that I prepare the right right way mm-hmm. mentally and kind of uh, put myself in that. So it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I believe it and I believe it and I believe it. And this goes back as a kid. Um, you know, I used to fish on the docks in Newport Harbor, in Huntington Harbor. And I told my buddies one day I'm going to own a house here. Mm-hmm. And they laughed at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2009. That's bought, awesome. I mean, that's I, sometimes that's the best. I, I bought my house yeah. in Huntington Harbor. And uh, I remember I had my boat and we're leaving my harbor. And the same dock we're at, and I'm with the same friend, Dave Cottle. And he goes, Tito, remember that one night that we were fishing out here? And it was mm-hmm. like four in the morning. And he said, you're going to buy a house here. I was like, remember? Mm-hmm. I've never forgot. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Graduating high school and Snoop Dogg having the song Pop It Like It's Hot, Pop It Like It's Hot. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about his Phantom, Rolls Royce Phantom. And I remember going, I want that. I want that right there. Mm-hmm. 2006, about 2007, Rolls Royce Phantom, and I still have it. That was my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, giving my mom a home for Christmas, that was my dream. In 2009, I was able to do that for her. Um, I bought a two-story home downtown Huntington Beach, and she lived in a trailer park at the time. And I was the world champion and a former world champion. And I was able to, to finally make some good money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I redid my house and made it look like the Bellagio on the inside with faux finish, vaulted ceilings and everything. And she goes, wow, you redid your house. It looks so nice. I go, yeah, mom. Um, you can't live where you are anymore. She goes, what do you mean, Tito? I, I, I love this house. I'm right on the water and I get the paddleboard when I want them. Yeah, mom, but... I'm Tito Ortiz. You should be living in a nice house like this one right here. She mm-hmm. goes, but that's your home. I go, not anymore, Mom. Merry Christmas. And I gave her the home. She started crying. Mm-hmm. Um, she, just, she still lives there, and um, she takes care of it where really, really, really well. It's a nice, nice home. And uh, I was able to do that for my mom because she saved me. If it wasn't for her leaving my father when I was 13, I, I could never be where I am today. And I could have never made the decisions that I made for my kids because or else I would have just stuck in that toxic relationship. I had to make a decision for my kid's future, and I've done that. When you are, I have a lot more questions asked. Yeah, no, but I'm in, no, no. But let's do this. Come, come back when you're promoting your next fight, okay. and let's continue, continue from there. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Uh, it was an absolute honor to to meet you, to have you sit down, open up for for me and for the people listening. Yeah. And I, I, I I'm hundred percent positive that you have more fans right now after people listening than than before i hope so you know i just want people to understand that you know we're all human we Mm -hmm. all make mistakes um and i think the hardest thing for a lot of people to understand or even just to to get i don't understand the same thing is Mm -hmm. to be wrong Mm -hmm. once in a while we gotta say we're wrong yeah once in a while we gotta say you know what i was i was wrong and uh last year I, i had to make that decision um and i had to forgive my father I went to my father and I... He's uh, still around. He's still around. Okay. He's still using. Um, wow. I, I came to a factor that being a parent is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was easy, everybody would do it and everybody would be ace, ace, a parents, um, but it's super hard. And I had to go to him and I went to his house and I sat in front of his house for about 30 minutes debating back and forth mm-hmm. to myself mm-hmm. of going and knocking on the door and I said you know what be a man of your word and mm-hmm. I got up and I got out of the car and walked and knocked on the door and he's like ah Tito you I thought you forgot about me I'm like no dad I, I got I had to kind of learn and understand what it is to be a father and I understand now um it's not easy it's very hard and um I forgive you 
and I love you. And for the first time in 30 years, I heard my father say, I love you too, son. Damn. I'm proud of you. Yeah. And it was just like, it was a big weight off my shoulders, mm -hmm. but I had to come to reality in my life of knowing that people make mistakes and sometimes they can't accept being wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think it's human to accept to be wrong sometimes. Um, not even sometimes, all the time when you're wrong and just accept uh, what, what you've done mm -hmm. and man up to it or woman up to it or just adult up to it and say, you know, what I did was wrong. And he actually kind of said, not kind of, he did. He, he said, you know, I apologize for what I put you through. Um, and that's all I wanted to hear. Closure. Closure. Yeah. And it helped. Um, I'm not on a talking base with them at all any means, but mm -hmm. it was closure for me and it helped me. Mm -hmm. um, but like I say, I, I think a lot of people, they, they rather fight and battle and, and use hate and use uh, the victim card instead of saying they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And I rather say I'm wrong and work towards the positive reinforcement of it instead of the negative reinforcement saying, well, I'm like this because my parents are like that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to play the victim card. I'm not a victim. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a victim of my own idea. Um, I got to make sure that I pay it forward and do the right things. And if, for all the listeners out there, you know, um, it, it's a reality check when you look in the mirror and you brush your teeth because with me, you know, there's no entourage behind me. There's no, there's just myself. And mm -hmm. I question myself. I cast question my character of who I am. And when I brush my teeth every night, I ask myself, how do I help somebody today? Have I did right today? Mm -hmm. Was I honest today? Have I done the right thing today? And at 44 years old, or yeah, or <laughs> 44 <Yeah>. years yeah. <laughs> young, um, I don't step on anybody, anyone to get ahead. Mm -hmm. um, I always try to do the right thing. Um, I'm willing to fail, but I'm willing to learn off those failures. And I just try to uh, be a real person. It's, uh, it's hard. This mm -hmm. life is not easy. And any parents out there, you got to understand, um, don't set your kids up for failure. Set your kids up for success and set the limits as high as possible. Don't be satisfied for mediocre, me mediocre life. Mm -hmm. Try to excel for the best. And, um, you're, you're a prime example of, of the only person that's going to stop you from realizing your dreams is you. 100%. P people blame other people. Yes. But really, it's you. You're the one. And Bodhi's over there giving you a kiss right now. <laughs> ah, big man. All right. Yes. Kick, kick some ass. Yes. Congrats on the movie. Thank and I will, I will see you soon. Yes. Thank you, sir. I appreciate Thank you, brother. it very much. Awesome. Thank you so much. Steve, are you going to go watch the movie? I am definitely going to go watch the Are movie. you going to watch the fight? Do you, have you ever paid for a, a, a UFC fight? Or do you, go, uh, do you ever go someplace and watch them? I watched all of them online. I be honest. Were you aware of this fight before you heard about it here? Absolutely, I can't wait. I mean, I'm I'm hooked on that. I fall asleep. Are you watching acting? All the fights in bed. Are you honestly? No, are you acting? You knew that he was coming up. He's, he's fighting. I'm I'm kind of hooked on on watching these things. I don't know what it is. If I'm I, I get all tensed up, it's hard to fall asleep after I watch some of these fights. They're so intense. He's, it's amazing. Tito is 44 years old. He has said that he has spent over a million dollars on his body. He's had multiple back surgeries, neck surgeries. Uh, it, it's to me, oh. it's amazing that he's like basically our age, Steve. And he's like in the ring and like, like going at it. Like, you know, you, you go in with the intense intensity that you're going to kill somebody that otherwise you'll lose. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's an all out brawl. 
Amazing. So whatever you got, whatever you can do to get the other guy to submit. It's, uh, it's intense, dude. All right. All right. We'll talk about, right. we'll talk about it next week. Steve, I know you're going to go. So split. We'll talk to you soon. Love you, brother. All right. Thanks. Bye. 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 Mel, Bye, guys. Uh, night, brother. Go Tito. <laughs> <laughs> so Mel, real quick. Um, yeah. you, um, about me now? well, we're gonna talk about birdie real quick Aww, because birdie. let me, let me tell th- this story. So I was at a party in Hollywood with, Woo. with fun, Josh, Josh mm-hmm. Dean. And we, Josh um, Josh the bear, fun Josh, yeah. And so we, um, the tr- there was a, a a concert getting out at the Hollywood Bowl, like at I don't know eleven or something like that. And the, the party sucked, so we had to back. <laughs> Is that and, how you remember it? Because it was pretty late when you got home. Well, because it should happen. Okay. So well, and he, and here and here's part of it. So the traffic was so bad, our Uber can't, couldn't even get to us. So we said, let's take these bird scooters and ride home. So we start, we rode over the hill. So we're in Coenga, if you know, it runs along the 101. And so they don't want people riding from Hollywood to the valley. And so there's like about like a half mile, like, like dark zone okay. where your, your scooter will shut off. Oh, and you just have to leave it and park it there. And you leave it and park it. Yeah. yeah. And then you would just, we were just going to walk to the next one. And then we knew that would be the deal. We knew we would find them at the other from, from idiots that did the same thing coming into Hollywood. And so then we heard the cat, like a, this noise i thought it was a bird he knew it was a cat and then i saw and it was like this chain link fence between coanga boulevard and the 101 freeway there's like a hill of about 20 feet and i looked over and i saw this little this kitten and i jumped over the fence ripped my pants you know that ripping my pants yeah my grandparents that's what i keep telling you you can't wear them anymore yeah that's what it's from that's what it's from (laughs) and so um like dove on the cat like landing on my elbows i didn't want to put like pressure <laughs> i didn't want to put pressure on the cat you uh-huh. know so i dove on my elbows messed those up and then got the cat and meanwhile the cat had no intention of running she was just sitting there she was sitting there scrawny and starving and so i grabbed her put her in my shirt and then called an uber came back home and then you and i we put him in the, her into quarantine and then which means she has to sit in one of our bathrooms for like two weeks to make sure she doesn't have anything i mean a cat out in the wilderness yeah. Yeah. Diseases, ringworm. Yeah, exactly. And, and so we got Scooter, another mm-hmm. cat the same age from another uh, foster group, mm-hmm. and then had them in there. And then uh, she was just adopted. Yeah. And uh, turned into like a pretty amazing cat. And if I was going to do this oh, podcast like two weeks so ago, sweet. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry but or anything like that, but it's hard to talk it was about. really hard. Yeah. And, and I guess that's kind of the point she of like, loved you. She was grateful. Whenever I laid down on the couch after a long day, she would crawl up and lay right next to my neck every single day. Are you crying? <laughs> really? <laughs> Don't do it. I'm sorry. I honestly didn't mean for this to turn into this. But it's kind of one of the things about like fostering is like you, uh, whether you're fostering dogs or, or cats or anything, people, rabbits. like like you, at some point, did you say rabbits? Yeah. At some point, you, it, you, you know, you're, you have to give something like, especially these, 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 these strays or whatever it is, really, you give it your love so that you are acclimating it to a household. So when you pass it along to a new household, it's like, you know, it's, you need a tissue or something? No, I'm fine. Um, you, you know, you, you just have to give it love. And so the more love you give it, the more of an attachment you have towards it. And at some point you have to say, okay, like we're ready to, <laughs> didn't me for this no, I'm, I'm sorry. Like at some point you just have to sort of cut the umbilical, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and the longer you have them, 
if it's especially, I mean, I don't say if it's a good cat, but it doesn't even matter because some of them are assholes, not assholes, but you know what I mean? Like they're just, they're not as loving, but like they, more it's, aloof. some are more aloof yeah. than others and others are very, very attached. Right. And so, so as you hand them out and give them away or adopt them out, it can be heartbreaking. Yeah, exactly. But it's just what you do. <laughs> Who's that? That's Maisie. Okay. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. I, I mean, like, so if you're not following Mel on uh, on Instagram, Mel Lamprey, M-E-L-L-A-M-P-R-E-Y, you can see all of her, uh, her her cats and stuff like that. With me, you just all see... her cats. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to wrap things up. I mean, it sounds like I'm, like, hanging out in the house yeah. with, like, 16 cats <laughs> walking around. Well, let's be honest. Pictures. Let's be honest. There's eight. There's eight. Yeah, but they're not all ours, so... It doesn't matter. They, all, they all live here. And then a dog... It's just a lot. It's a lot. All right. Thank you very much for joining us on our first podcast. Um, like I said, amazing guests that we're going to share with you guys uh, in the near future. Just make sure you uh, you subscribe. Um, if you have any questions, uh, Steve's email address is stevecannon at gmail.com. I'm Zane Lambert at gmail.com. Uh, thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs>